You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. You can open up again, if you would, over to Mark chapter 5. We're going to read a whole passage here. Uh, we, we dug into these verses last week. There are two stories in these verses. One is, <laughs> all the decorations are falling. You can tell Karen's not here today. She's up at the art market selling her paintings this Sunday and next Sunday. Uh, so there are two stories here. Uh, the one is the woman with the issue of blood. We looked into that last week. And that kind of comes in the middle of this story about Jairus and Jesus raising his daughter from the dead. So we're going to talk about Jairus this week and, and that part of the story. But let's just begin in verse 21. And let's go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll just read this whole passage and then come back and highlight a couple of things. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So it's kind of interesting because we just a couple of weeks ago talked about the centurion. I, I love the way Jesus meets people at their point of faith. And I think he does that with all of us. And, and you know, we talk about having a point of contact for faith. The woman with the issue of blood, her heart was that I, if I can touch the hem of his garment, right? And when she did, she was healed. The centurion said, you don't need to come to my house. Just speak the word. He understood authority. We had that whole lesson. Just speak the word, my servant will be healed. And we saw that happen. Jairus is in a place where he needs Jesus to come to the house and lay hands on his, on his daughter. And so Jesus, Jesus did. It says, so Jesus went with him. Some translations say that immediately Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed. So get this picture. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, or we saw that it really the idea there is there was this continual conversation in her heart. She kept saying, uh, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out of him, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched my clothes? Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, we dug into a lot of parts of that story last week. So I just want to stop here for a minute. So Jairus is the leader of a local synagogue. Uh, and he's not part of the Sanhedrin. He's, not, he's, he's the, the ruler of a local synagogue. And he's heard about Jesus. And Jesus comes to the region and he realizes Jesus is there. His daughter is sick and dying. And he goes to Jesus. And the language is really strong there. It says that he 
fell down, prostrated himself before Jesus and begged him over and over and over. And, and I don't think this was a long drawn out thing. I think it's just the way it came out of him. You know, please come and heal my daughter. She's dying. My daughter is dying. Please, please come. You know, but it was a, it was a bit of a continual flow. The man begged Jesus to come and Jesus immediately went. This whole huge group of people goes with him. And then in the middle of that, so, so they're moving along. I would expect in Jairus, then he's gotten to Jesus. And we talked before about how now, this is one of the great things about the New Testament. We, we, Jesus has provided the healing, don't get me wrong, but we can all lay hands on the sick. It's not just one person. That's why Jesus said, it's going to be so much better for you when I go to the Father and the Holy Spirit comes, because now there are a whole bunch of little, that's what Christian means, you know, is little Christ. There are a whole bunch of them out there. Devil made a big mistake. Jesus sowed himself into the earth through his death on the cross, and all these little Christians came up. And so anyway, but he got to Jesus, and his daughter's in this position, and he got to Jesus. And I mean, that that's it was such a unique thing to be able to actually get to him, to have him come to his region at that time. So as they're going towards his house, and then Jesus went with them. He didn't say, I got more things to do. You know, he went with them. And there had to be just relief and hope and faith in that. There had to be, he had to be just in this place. And then this woman comes along. And, and you know, the whole the whole thing comes to a halt. Somebody jumps in the middle of it, really not even, not even known. She gets through the crowd, she touches him. Jesus stops going toward Jairus' house. You can imagine what he was feeling. You can, there's a, there's a, a delay in answered prayer right there. And we all often experience that. And and so here, everything's moving his way, and suddenly it's not. And it's somebody else's fault, too. Somebody else jumped in there. And so this healing happens, this miracle. And the other part of that is then that Jairus saw that miracle. Jairus experienced the miracle taking place as he was on the way to the house. So, so I'm sure part of it was a good thing, but I suspect he was, is there anything I can do, guys, or is this just? Really? Okay. Um, we were just talking about how we rarely get any interference on these things anymore. So much for that. Um, so it says, while Jesus, this is verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking. So again, get the picture. The whole thing had come to a halt. I'm sure Jairus is just wanting them to get moving. Wonderful that you got healed. Let's get moving toward my house again, right? While Jesus was still speaking. So men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? It says, ignoring what they said. Uh, verse 36, the Amplified there says, overhearing, but ignoring what they said. All right. Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him. So he gets rid of the crowd at this point. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw the commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, 
why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. They started to mock Jesus. All right, Jesus makes this proclamation that's in the face of what they're seeing in the natural, and they start mocking him. Verse 41, he took her by the hand and said to her, oh no, get get the verse before, after he, I, I love this, let me back up. But they laughed at him. Next statement, after he put them all out, he took, it's like they laughed at him, he kicked them all out of the house. The Greek term there is actually the very same term that's used for expelling demons. He forcefully ejected all the mockers and all the doubters out of the house before he prayed for this girl. It wasn't a little thing. And, and I don't know, it, maybe it's just my hopefully sanctified imagination, but I love it. They're there mocking Jesus. And Jesus, the son of God, turns around and forcefully ejects the whole bunch out of the house. Okay, I love that. And, and he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, so just the three, and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. I love this too. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She just got up and started walking around. At this, they were completely astonished. I guess so. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And then he told them to give her something to eat, which is kind of an interesting thing about, seems to flow with people being raised from the dead is they get up hungry and thirsty. So... Yeah, I guess so, you know. So let's go back. I just want to dig into a couple of, of points here uh, in all of this. So, you know, I already mentioned to you, so I think hope had to be, Jairus had to be feeling tremendous relief and hope as he connected with Jesus. And then this, as he suddenly runs into this wall of discouragement, I mean, first of all, there's delay because they get stopped by this woman, you know, to be healed. Sometimes we, I don't know exactly how to say this, sometimes we even feel like, I don't know that we'd ever say this out loud, but I know sometimes we almost have a sense that there's only so much of God to go around, and I get my peace, don't you dare take it, you know, which is ridiculous, but we can have these different kinds of, of feelings and, and emotions in the midst of trying to receive something from the Lord, you know, and then, and we're waiting for our miracle and somebody else gets a miracle. And we always say that needs to be an encouragement, not a discouragement. That needs to be a point where we realize if God did it for them, he's no respecter of persons. He will do the exact same thing for me. He's no respecter of persons. He loves everybody the same. And so we take hold of that. We let it be a boost to us instead of uh, anything else, you know, but I can imagine he could have felt all kinds of things at that delay. I mean, he could have been angry. He could have been, uh, you know, could have been pretty angry and annoyed with the whole situation. He could have, I'm sure that, and then, this is the part that really gets me. He's going along with Jesus. He even sees this next miracle. He even sees this thing happen. And that's when the voices of Fear and unbelief show up. And, and they come and, and they say to him, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher as if this was a bother to Jesus. Don't bother the teacher anymore. There's a, there's a demeaning element to that. Why bother him? 
anymore. There's a you are less than and you don't deserve his attention. You know, there, there's a, it's a, it's a really ugly statement to make in the midst of this. But what I want you to see is what Jesus responded to him with was, he, it, it says Jesus heard it, but he dismissed it, the report that came, your daughter's dead. So was that report true? It was. His daughter was dead. It was true, but it wasn't the end of the story. It was not the last word. And that happens so often when we're in that place. We'll be moving towards something and, and then the voices of discouragement, the voices of doubt and unbelief, the voices of self of condemnation, whatever it might be, that's when they show up to try to bring discouragement, to try to derail you, to try to move you another direction. And that's when we all have to make the choice to stand and pray and believe, to, to stand, to walk through, to hang on to the word of God, to hang on to what the word says in general or what God has said to us. And, and when it says here, um, what he said to them or what he said to Jairus, he said, do not fear. That phrase means do not allow the entrance of fear. There's in, in the Greek, uh, fear is trying to enter the heart. And that's what fear does. It comes into the heart to displace faith, comes into the heart to tear down hope. Fear will come in. And, and it's, I just think it's so interesting that it's phrased that way. And we've all experienced that when fear approaches, if we allow it, it will enter into our heart like a seed, and it will begin to grow like many other things. Unforgiveness is that way. Bitterness is that way. It will grow. It will not stay in one place in your life. It never does. If you allow yourself to become fearful about one area, pretty soon you'll find yourself being fearful about all areas. And, and it was very simple what Jesus said. Do not fear. Do not allow. Fear's right here. The, the story they're telling you is true. Jesus didn't say all this out loud, but I mean, this is the situation. But what's in that story, what's, what's in that voice is fear. Do not allow it to enter into your heart. Whenever we get that kind of instruction in the scripture, it's real clear that we have a choice. Jesus didn't step, step in and block the fear. Jesus didn't uh, say, pray and I'll relieve you of the fear. He said, you don't allow the fear to enter your heart. That means... We can do that. God doesn't ask us to do things we can't do. And he, does, he asks us to do things we can't do in our own uh, strength. But either we're able to do it by grace or it's just a matter of our choice and our decision, what we need to do. And in the case of fear, it is. When fear comes in a situation like that to try to enter your heart, you have the responsibility and the power to say no to it. You do not have to move into fear. And that's what he tells them. Don't fear, only believe. Oh, and the other part of that was that there's another word uh, that's real closely related to this particular word for fear. You know, like with everything else, there are a lot of different uh, types of, there are a lot of different Greek words for fear. But um, a related word to this one is it, it talks about a fear that will begin to control your life. It will, it will, if given place, 
it will start motivating your actions. It will start controlling your life instead of your faith in God controlling your life, right? And that's what he's telling him. Don't let this report start controlling your life. Don't let this report determine your actions from this point forward. And, and so that's Jesus' message to him. And I love the, it's, yeah, he, he's dealing with the woman. He overhears what they're saying, but he dismisses it. And that's what we need to do. It's not, we can't, we can't, without leaving this world, come to a place where we never hear reports that attempt to bring discouragement or fear or disappointment or whatever into our life. But we can deflect them from our hearts. We do not have to. And I know for some people, this is kind of foreign. This is like, well, I just feel this way. But just get that you don't have to. Get that you can choose. Your feelings are not who you are. Your feelings are just your feelings, all right? You can choose. You can make decisions when fear comes, when anger comes, when doubt comes, uh, when any of these different things come. You, when condemnation tries to come, you can choose to deflect it out of your heart and do not give it a place to get lodged in your heart. But, but so it's a, it's, a fear that becomes a controlling factor in your life. So that becomes means to me, it, has, it, it gets planted and then it has to grow, all right? But we can deflect it, or if it's already there, root it out with the word of God. Dig the roots out of it. We're all susceptible to different things that bring fear into our life uh, or that, you know, trigger anger in us or whatever it is, you know, but we're just talking about fear right here. We're all susceptible in different areas. But those are the areas we need to get strengthened in the word to where that, that just gets rooted out of our life. And, and fear, no real, fear no longer really has a place to lodge there. And then Jesus tells him only believe. And that word believe is a, it's a faith that motivates determined action. It's, a, it's not just static trust. It is faith that motivates your actions. So he's essentially saying, don't let faith become, or don't let fear become the controlling element, but believe, have faith that moves you a certain direction. Okay. And they went, and then I, I already said this to you, but it was so important that when they got to the house, first of all, he got rid of the crowd I think for one thing, there, you know, that'd be a lot of turmoil, but also they're going to a house where a girl has just died. The family is there. There are people, and that was just their culture, the weeping and the wailing and, and all of that. That's how they mourned. So there was going to be a lot of commotion. There was going to be a lot going on. Jesus left the crowd behind, took only three disciples, his, his inner guys, uh, Peter, James, and John, and, and, and the father and mother, of course, they went to the house. And then the fact that he removed the sources of doubt before he prayed for. He dealt with the sources of doubt. And there are time, And this isn't the only time he did it. Let me give you two more. Mark 8, 23, he led a blind man outside the village because there was so much doubt and unbelief in the village. He led him outside the village before he prayed for him. Okay? And uh, so that was Mark 8, 23. And Mark 6, 4 through 6, it's a, it's a situation where Jesus said he was astonished by the people's lack of faith. And it, it was in his own hometown. It's where they said, 
you know, well, he's, he's just the Joseph's son, the carpenter's kid. You know, we know this guy. He was astonished by their lack of faith. And it says there, he could do no miracles or very few. It said he could only heal a few sick folk. You know, he couldn't do major miracles there because of the, the atmosphere of unbelief that was there. So at times, Jesus either took somebody outside that atmosphere or got that atmosphere out of the house. And that's one of those things that we just, I think we've just got to be really sensitive to the Holy Spirit about. There are times, and, and the other thing to realize is, you and I, none of us are by any stretch of the imagination perfect in this. We all want to grow in it. But the fact that you and I live in faith toward God does change the spiritual atmosphere over this valley and over this community or wherever, wherever you live. Maybe your assignment is Phoenix. Good for you. That's your assignment, not mine. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, so, no, but seriously, we create, we can create an atmosphere of faith. We can create an atmosphere of fear, especially when we start getting together and agreeing together and chattering, positive or negative. We invite a spiritual atmosphere into that place. So this isn't the only time Jesus did this, but he did it in this house. They were mocking. I mean, we know they were mocking God. And he just, boom, expelled them from the house. Forcefully, it says, expelled them from the house. All right? So in the, in the moments we have left, I want to I go back to that moment when Jairus is coming along. I just want to talk through these things uh, with you, we've talked about these before, but when we're believing God for something or anything, or just in our life, these are things we've got to learn to walk through without letting our faith get shaken because every single one of us will experience all of these things. They're there, they're in the earth, we're going to experience these things. And and the four, I, I have a number of others, but the four that I have up here today are disappointment, all right? and delay, betrayal, which I don't know how much that fits here, but I put it in anyway because it goes with the list, okay? And loss. And so when we're praying, here's Jairus, he's got the Lord, he's taken him forward, and suddenly the whole thing is delayed. And I, and I want to talk about that one first, just this idea of delay. It's an enemy of your hope. And, and this means when prayer isn't answered, in the time that you wanted it to be, or when something else kind of gets in the middle of you receiving what you're believing God for. Like in this situation, here was a good thing. This woman, you know, it, it was somebody getting healed. Nevertheless, it stopped his progress toward, toward the miracle that he was looking for. Delay is an enemy of your hope if, let me say it this way, if it comes to you that delay is eroding your hope, okay, if you're losing hope because of time, then that's always an indicate, indicator to us that our hope has somehow gotten fixed, not fully in God, but partly on something in the natural. Because when time enters in, it's something in the natural. Eternal hope, which is given to us, 
eternal hope is connected fully to God. The hope is in God. And, and honestly, and I know none of us like this, nevertheless, it's true. Our hope and our faith are pulling things in for future generations. And that's one of the things we always have to remember. It's not just about us. It's not just about what we receive. The faithfulness that you show in this life in following God, in believing him for his word, in all of that is is changing the world for future generations. It is drawing things in that future generations will build on. So, so there is no delay, time delay should not be an issue for us. And again, uh, the book of Hebrews, you know, I like it. A lot of people don't like the fact that it says, I think Andy just talked about this a couple of weeks ago, gives us all those great heroes of faith. And then it says that for a lot of them, they never received in their lifetime. They were pulling on Messiah. Their, their faith was out there for the salvation of the world and for the new covenant in which we live. But their faith was bringing all that in for us to enjoy. And so it's important for us to realize none of us like delay. All of us want the answer. We want it now. We want to see it fulfilled. And that's how we should be. Nevertheless, if delay starts really eroding my faith, I have to understand I've allowed it to get connected to this earth. I've allowed it to get too connected to natural things, not connected enough to spiritual things. All right. And, and so one of the things that for me, you know, when, when prayer's delayed or, or whatever like that, I, I have to remind myself again, my life and what, what I'm doing with my life, just walking with God. All right, and the same is true for you. We're building a foundation for a future generation to build on. It is essential. And God rewards faithfulness. I hope you can understand what I'm saying here. God, honestly, when we get to heaven, the reward's not going to be for how many prayers God answered. It's going to be for did you walk in faith. Did you, were you faithful to the end? And that's what it says when Jesus comes back, that's what he's going to be looking. That's his question. Will he find faithfulness in the earth? Continued, consistent faithfulness. And I know when I was driving down several years ago now, very good friend of ours that we'd prayed for for a long time. She died in Albuquerque. Wonderful worship leader, just a wonderful, wonderful mother, wonderful wife, just a wonderful person. She really was. Uh, and, and she died. And I was going down uh, for the memorial service. And one of the things the Lord, that was one of the things the Lord really reminded me of was the faithfulness that she showed in her walk with God through, she uh, she actually died of Lyme disease, but it acts a lot of times just like ALS. And so it was that type of thing. It was an awful, it was an awful thing for her. And uh, the faithfulness that she lived in and showed the joy she had toward the Lord, the praise she gave to God, that it, it just, I was, in fact, I know right where I was, I was going over Cochetope Pass and it just, entered the car. I can't remember why Karen wasn't able to go. I was by myself and it just flooded the car, sort of a sense of the reward in heaven that Colleen was looking at. And it, it really registered to me for the first time. 
That's what matters. And yes, we all want the prayers answered. We should. We need to press in for every victory. Don't get me wrong. But, but it's the pressing in that God loves so much. So anyway, uh, boy, guess what? I'm running out of time. This is such a surprise. So we want to think, as far as delay goes, we want to think big picture, long-term, generational increase. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, where, where delay or, or, or even loss, uh, disappointment, any of these things. One of the things we have to consider is when we're standing, we're tired of standing, we're tired, we're standing, we're praying, we're not seeing what we want. Consider your options. I always think back on this. Consider your options. You've got two options. Stand. I don't want to stand. I'm tired of standing. Then quit. I don't want to quit. Then stand. I'm tired of standing. Then quit. Those are your two options. And so what are you going to do? Who are you going to serve? Who are you, you know, how are you going to live this thing? So many times it's like you just have to decide to stand. That's what God's looking for. It's just that decision to stand. Okay. Let's talk about disappointment just for a minute. I want to give you a few keys to kind of walking through some of this. So I just try and move through this. Disappointment is a sense of sadness or loss when a hope or expectation is not fulfilled. So again, disappointment can be the result uh, we get to, of, of delayed prayer or prayer that's not answered the way we wanted. Disappointment is something that, again, can just erode. It can really take over your life. You can, you can be disappointed with people. We will all be disappointed with people. And honestly, we need to just learn to give grace and get through that. Many times we just need to adjust our expectations. I know for me, it's very frustrating. When I, when I get really disappointed with people, almost inevitably, the Lord does not join with me in the disappointment and, and any kind of correction. He says, he shows me something else. He says, you adjust your expectations. And that takes care of the disappointment. Okay. And it allows a place for grace to flow. So, you know, but disappointment, just know, I mean, it's not something to let grow in your life. And the worst thing we can do in any of these situations with disappointment, delay, loss, any of that, worst thing we can do is create a stupid doctrine that somehow blames what happened on God. And, and the key, the real key to walking through all this stuff, including loss, where we all experience loss. And a lot of them in this life, they're not fair. It wasn't fair for Colleen to go be with the Lord. That sounds terrible. I'm sure Colleen's enjoying it. But to, she, she died at a very early age. And she had this ministry. She had this family. She, you know, And it was not fair to me from my perspective. It wasn't right. Okay. But we just, we all have to recognize that when those when those things happen, we've come up, we human beings have come up with some of the worst doctrines about God. One of the biggest keys to walking through all of this is to maintain the heart of a worshiper. And this just came up, I was studying all this, it came up in men's group last week. And by that, it's not the act of what we call worship. It's the heart 
that will never disengage from the truth that God is good. It cannot be moved off the fact that God is good. God is not the author of disease or destruction or any of these things we go through. Those are in the earth because of sin. There is a solution for them. We're here. Eventually, they are all going to be gone and there isn't going to be another tear shed. All right. But right now, during this time, we're all going to experience them. And we have this opportunity to praise God and declare how good he is right in the middle of our worst day. And that is an awesome privilege. And, and so our hearts have to be absolutely grounded in that God is good, that it is the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It is Jesus who's come to give life and life abundantly. And I will not move off of that. I don't care what I see in this earth. You know, we've got to keep our eyes out of just what we see on the earth. And I'll give you a couple of these in a minute. With, with all of this, we've got to become the, the worshiper I guess I've got some stuff on there for you. I've kind of gotten used to not having these now, so the last few weeks, so I'll try and keep up. For a worshiper, the heart is just engaged with who God is. And no matter what is going on, the worshiper remembers God is God and I'm not, number one. And number two, he is good and I will praise him. That is, you know, read the last couple of verses of the book of Ecclesiastes. That is the whole purpose of man is, is to, and it's not about God's ego or anything like that. We are the beings on this earth that recognize who God is and give him glory, no matter what is going on in life. All right, let me go through, we'll just go through real quickly. I want to give you some of these these are just things that have helped me. I mean, I still struggle with this stuff the same as you do, but um, these have helped, helped me. So let's just go through them. We've just got a few minutes left. Always celebrate every victory, even if it's a partial victory. I just think we've got to be really good at celebrating what we, what we did get. We were talking about this at men's group. I don't think he'll mind me sharing it. And, and Joel just had COVID and got pretty sick with it. And he was not happy about that because he had really been, he had been standing. He'd felt like he was fully confident about it. He got sick, okay? But in the middle of that, so what do, the, so what do they do? And I don't know what else they would do. I, I don't mean this to sound as mean as it's gonna sound. Uh, but, you know, in, in, our, in let's say our brilliance, what do we do? One person in the house gets sick. Well, we, we keep them all in the same house, in the same room together. You know, that's our, that's our solution. Boyd went through it too. Let's just, let's just, since one person's sick, let's just grab the whole family and keep them in there and see if we can get them all sick. But anyway, in all these cases, none of the, well, I know of three cases in this church, none of the rest of the family got sick. Nobody else had it. Well, that's a victory. Okay, you're trapped in the house with somebody with what is supposed to be a very contagious disease and nobody else gets sick. Bummer that the one got sick. We want a better victory, but that's still a victory and it deserves to be celebrated. God deserves to be praised for that. Okay, and so that kind of thing, it's like sometimes we only get part. Well, celebrate that. Write it down. Remember it. Use it as a foundation. Don't turn it into, oh, I didn't get it all. Instead, it's the found. Okay, I'm standing on that now. I got that much. All right. 
now, next time, okay, I'm getting it all. I mean, that's, that's what we can do with that. Always next, always praise God for who he is, even in the face of disappointment, delay, loss. I didn't talk about betrayal there. I don't know if Jairus was like, I, I don't know that at all. The scripture doesn't tell us that. But if it had been me, I'd have been a little annoyed with that woman for pulling Jesus off of the trail to my house at that point. And there was a, and, but, but nevertheless, within the scope of the things we're talking about this morning, Betrayal is another thing. It's hard to get through. When we feel betrayed by another person, we will often feel betrayed by God. And so that's, we need to learn to walk through that with our faith intact. And we need to learn to separate in our, at a heart level who God is from what we experience in the earth or experience from people. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so even in the face of any of these things, we praise God for who he is. We can always praise him for who he is, all right? Next, uh, and again, this just goes with these, keep a record of God's work in your life fresh so you can build upon it and use it to strengthen your faith. And this is something, a lot of times we tend to discount something we received back here because of something we haven't received yet up here. And we kind of forget God did all this stuff back here. We've got to bring that stuff forward with us. We've got to talk about it in our homes. We've got to keep it fresh. Uh, we've got to write it down. We've got to go back and read those things. It's really, really important if we're going to learn to walk through this kind of stuff on earth and keep our faith going and, and not compromise and that kind of thing. Next, steward every re revelation and touch from God well. The book we were reading called this Tending Your Garden. In other words, God comes into your life. He speaks things to you. He leads you places. He reveals things to you. Well, that's what God does. What we are responsible to do is to tend that garden, to steward those things, steward every relation, every touch from God, everything that he does. We've got to steward those. We've got to treasure those. We've got to make sure those things continue to hold value. And we don't let anything else that happens in our life pull us off of those things that God did. If we don't do that, then God's faithful. He'll keep doing things in our lives, but we won't really gain any momentum. We won't go anywhere because we're just letting each thing come. Oh, that was cool. And let it go. And by the time another challenge comes, we've forgotten that God already set us free from some things back here. Does this make sense? Okay. All right. A couple more and we're done. Learn how to strengthen yourself in the Lord. We've taken time to talk about this in the fact in the past we have to learn how to when things are difficult again this kind of goes back to you can't let your emotions rule your life when we when we we have to get in the word or we have to go to a place of praise and worship or we have to get with somebody in prayer but we have to get with the lord personally usually this is a private thing or with a couple close people personally and strengthen ourselves in him in these times. It's really important that we learn how that works in our own life <clears throat> and we make it a habit. And I think this one is really important. Be 100% dead honest with both God and yourself. So <clears throat> we see David in the Psalms tell God how he was feeling, right? It's important for us to be honest with God about how we're feeling. What, you know, even if I am afraid, Lord, I am doubting, help my unbelief. 
just in that, don't move into accusing God. That's a really bad habit because it just takes you totally off track. It's not his deal. He didn't do it, whatever it is. So you stay grounded in that God is good, but you're honest first with God. You go to him and, and you're able to tell him, Lord, I'm really feeling disappointed in this. Help me with this. I'm really, this delay really threw me. You know, this betrayal hurts God. This loss hurts. It's good. Be honest with God, okay? But also be honest with yourself because a lot of times in that moment, The Lord is going to show you or me why that particular thing is such a trigger in my life. Why that particular thing has gotten on me so hard. And that's a moment where he can set me free from something so that that doesn't happen over and over and over again. This thing of centipedes in the throat has been a real deal for the last couple of weeks. And Annie invited it in again this morning. Sorry. Okay, two more, we're done. Know your home scriptures. Okay, by that I mean all of us throughout our life with God, there will be certain verses, certain passages, maybe certain books, but certain passages, chapters, whatever, that become so much yours. I mean, the whole word's good, but there are certain places I know I can go in the word that will always speak to me. They will always lift me up. Those are my personal home scriptures. They're not the only scriptures I look at, but we need to know those so that in challenging times, go there and feed again. Let the Lord speak to you again from those verses and he will absolutely absolutely do it. And then finally, learn how to discipline your thought life. And of course, we talk about that a lot. We need to, Philippians chapter four tells us, think on these things. And there's a whole list for us there. And they're not the things that bring disappointment. They're not about betrayal. They're not about loss. We've got to learn to take thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. If we're going to be strong, we have to be strong. If we're going to be strong, we've got to build some disciplines into our life. You know, otherwise what Jesus has provided, we just don't, it doesn't change him and it doesn't change what he's provided. It does change how much of it we receive. Okay, did you get anything out of this today? Let's stand up and pray this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Father, as we go through these different, I guess it's just been gospel passages we've been in the last few weeks, I just pray again this morning, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would take these verses and would speak them into our hearts and print them really upon us and change who we are through the word of God. We love transformation, Lord. We love not just, you know, acts of our will to try and be better, but Lord, we're here to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. So, fathers, we look at all these things. Every one of us experience every one of these items we've looked at this morning. We experience those same things. And Father, we are determined to walk through them with our faith intact and, and just continue forward in God. Not only does that honor you, Lord, but it, it even honors the, I believe, well, I just use my example. Father, it, it honors Colleen's life for me to keep going, Lord. And, and so, God, we're determined to walk with you all of our days. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us. Bring us individually now, Lord, the things that we need in our own hearts. 
And Father, we, we stay open to you. We choose this morning to be open to you and to take every opportunity that you give us to pour out the things that you pour in, to be a blessing to others. Lord, we choose to live that generous life. We choose to go out as lights into dark places. We choose to not be flattened by the stuff that comes in life. And, and Lord, in that, the devil is defeated. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm really glad you guys came to church today. I know there was nothing else going on, so you had nothing to do, but still. So we do have some goodies out here. They had blueberries, strawberries, and whipped cream. So it was red, white, and blue snacks for you. So anyway, you guys have a great day and a great week. Be safe. Don't scare any dogs with fireworks. And uh, when I was a kid, man, fireworks were the best. I miss it, honestly. <clears throat> the bigger the explosion, the better. Let's say it on the count of three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin. The world wall be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.